Salutations, my name is Justin Lohr. I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 130 of Horror Business. Horror Business. Today we are joined by a man of mystery. A man, some would say, with no name, but a name. And I don't know where I'm going with that. Instead, (laughs) I'll just get straight to the point. We are joined by Butcher from the band Grip Hook. (laughs) What's going on? Hey, what's up? We're staying in character. Do you want a Do you want a recording of Justin uh, doing that, and then you can just play it live whenever you guys play? Just yeah. Justin doing the worst pronunciation of your band. No, name that rules. Ever? Yeah. yeah, that was pretty sick. One <laughs> yeah. time, one time we uh, we played a show, and uh, the dudes that do Haunted Hangover, Louis, he was like, "Yeah, uh, if you can get us like a music video, we can." Um, we can do like our Halloween thing, whatever. And so we booked a show and I had my one friend introduce us as Alfred Hitchcock. And then our bassist like had something get fucked up. And so the dude was like, I'll riff. But then they just kept talking in a fake British accent and they ran out of things to talk about. And they were like talking about like assaulting women. No, in like this no, terrible, no. terrible, terrible British accent. Awful, and terrible. then when we sent it to Louis, he was like, yeah, I cut all the stuff that's going to get me in trouble. Uh, here's your 90 second music video. Jesus. <laughs> Not okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so Fuck. we are going to be talking about two films in the slasher realm today. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Some people might refer to one of these films as a as a giallo, I would disagree, but I think I understand why because of Butcher, the Butcher, did, did, did you pick these movies? No. I did. Oh, yeah, Butcher did. I thought you asked <laughs> me. <laughs> okay. Butcher picked these movies, and what was funny is, Butcher, I think you threw these out as two examples of things we could do, and I was like, perfect double feature. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. So, Butcher, <laughs> what movies are we covering? We're covering uh, Scream, which uh, is probably the best horror movie ever made. And then Stop. we're covering uh, New York Ripper, which is uh, a fantastic movie that the first time I watched it, I watched it with my entire family. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? 100%, dude. I bought my mom the soundtrack for Christmas one year. She was like, oh, this is so cool. Oh my gosh. Wow. I feel like that's going to be more interesting. That story is going to be more interesting than our conversation about the movie. Uh, be- <laughs> before we jump into it, I, you know, I, I first heard of your band from uh, the split with Porcupine uh, yeah. because I love Porcupine and Joey's a good dude. And I live in the Chicago area now. So I've been to some shows that uh, Joey booked before he moved to Springfield and basically turned that into like the next hardcore punk mecca of illinois it's kind of crazy how sometimes the shows in springfield which is in the middle of nowhere are better than the shows <laughs> in chicago but that yeah. i know i know that's all joey's doing so that's how i heard about, about y'all uh how would you describe get let's let's get the pitch let's get the 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 ao listeners of hard business if for some reason you don't know grip hook what, what would you want them to know about the band before they go check it out 
Yeah. Um, so uh, it's all songs from the point of view of killers in slasher movies. So, you know, I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, you probably like horror movies. Um, and then it's a little bit of grind, a little bit of power violence, uh, a little bit of screamo, kind of hardcore. Um, I've been making the joke that we're the, the revival of Mystery Man hardcore. Uh, so, you know, if you really miss cult ritual like I do, then you can relive it with my band. Uh, yeah. Why not? I appreciate that. That works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm assuming all of your listeners are men in their mid thirties that actually know who cult ritual are. Stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's probably more of those that I would like, but yes, that is probably true. That's probably a good chunk of our, of our, of our listenership, but not all. Definitely not all. Definitely not all. Uh, okay. Well, I'm excited to talk about these movies. One, because um, I have very different opinions about these two movies. And uh, two, um, I know, Justin, this is like, this is the genre of horror we cover the least because it is the one that you are least excited about. Although we have covered slasher movies in the past that you still liked, even though it's not your favorite genre of the genre, if that makes sense. Subgenre, yeah. let's say, of the genre. <laughs> so, you before we get any further, yeah. let us thank Thou who has made this episode possible. Thine own... Pete, what's that? <laughs> Glenn Danzig? Oh, no. I'll never thank him. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm, of course, referring to our Patreon subscribers, our patrons on Patreon.com. If you want to be a patron, if you want to donate money towards the Cinepunks machine and help us roll over those who oppose us, you can head to www.cinepunks, or fuck, www.patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. And you can smash that MF and subscribe button. And thank you for doing it. We got a few new patrons recently. So thank you to everyone who's joined. Thank oh, you, our yeah. new patrons. Liam, who else is this fucking episode brought to you by? You know, we want to thank uh, all the people over there at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, not Chris Reject, of course, directly. Uh, I, do, I do have to point out, actually, so recently, friend of the show, Sharky, uh, was saying that he thinks the all the ads should be shorter, and he definitely wants his ad shorter. So on Cinepunks, we made all the ads shorter. And then the first text I get is from Chris Reject going, I don't think my ad's too short. I think all my ads should be even longer. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> fuck you, Chris Reject. <laughs> www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. Uh, Chris sucks. His dogs are shitty Resident Evil fucking castaways, and he's a fucking piece of shit. And fuck him. <laughs> but also you should get your stuff. This is the worst ad ever. Uh, hey, get your stuff printed at uh, Lehigh Valley Pro. Yeah, he'll do good work. He's a monster, but he does good work. Yep. We also want to thank our, <laughs> I'm willing to stop there. That's a good place. Uh, we want to, of course, thank our friend Aaron Dahlbeck over at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, thanks everybody who supported the research. Hang in a second. Hang in a second. This ad is a little too long. Can we start again? Oh my God. Oh my God. I hate you with this Bane reference. Uh, are you going to the Bane reunion, by the way? I might go to the one on Sunday. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, hey, thanks uh, to everyone who supported the recent collaboration between Essex Coffee Roasters and Rough Cut Fan Club. Uh, we did a heat uh, drop with a heat shirt and a heat mug and uh, a heat branded uh, uh, coffee uh, that I 
I picked out because I drink lots of uh, Essex Coffee. coffee. Uh, head on over to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Get your coffee. Get a, you know, uh, some apparel. Get some tea. Uh, on your way out, put in the code CINEPUNKS. C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. You're going to get 10% off your order. Come on. It's, it's great coffee, and Aaron's the best. So, you know, let's do this thing. Yeah. And finally, we want to thank Sharky over at Mechanical Shark Media. Uh, he's a good dude and I'm afraid of him. So mechanicalsharkmedia.com, you're going to need a bigger boat. Sharky's got that for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, go to Sharky with whatever your media needs are. And, uh, he would love to hear about your ideas and he would like to collaborate with you to make something, uh, incredible. So, uh, oh, and also Sharky suggested, I think this is a good idea. Uh, if you like cool t-shirts, go to roughcutfanclub.com. I don't know why I don't ever plug the thing I run on yeah, my really podcast. Weird. It's weird. I just never occurs <laughs> to me. I mean, I'll mention specific drops, but I don't consider us a sponsor. And that's weird that I don't. So, hey, Rough Cut Fan Club, uh, go buy stuff. We we have uh, uh, we have two demon shirts available right now and two possession shirts. And uh, one of those demon shirts is is not going to be up for it. Well, actually, it's probably down by the time you're hearing this episode. So I apologize if you missed out on the uh, the demons Garfield collaboration. My bad. And by collaboration, I mean rip off by me or by Justin rather. So, anyways, uh, hey, thanks. Uh, I guess that's it. Where can they find Rough Cut stuff at? Oh yeah, roughcutfanclub.com. Are you guys on any social media? Oh, and I guess you could find us. Fuck. Why am I so bad at this? Uh. You know what? What is our Instagram even? I'm the worst. Rough Cut Fan Club. Rough Cut Fan Club on Instagram. No, it's Rough Cut Shirts. Oh, yeah. Rough Cut Shirts on Instagram. Uh, Just search us out. You'll find it. Come on. Do the thing. Buy the stuff. Thank you. Why is that so hard? I have no problem plugging Chris Reject of all people. I know it sucks. But I don't want to plug my thing. It's so weird. Okay. Uh, Hey, Justin, did you have a question for our guest? I usually usually direct this question at Liam when I'm... Um, about to kill a sex worker as I quack like a duck. Fuck. <laughs> I look over into the bathroom where Liam has been tied up. By me, I'm assuming. And I would ask him, Liam, what have you done involving Har recently? But since we have a guest today, I get to ask him, Butcher, what have you done involving Har recently? Uh, so I just rewatched uh, The First Nightmare on Elm Street. Pretty, pretty classic there. Uh, I'm currently watching through X-Files for the first time since season 11. Um, I just bought the Freddy's Nightmare soundtrack. That was pretty Ooh, sick. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because my best friend sold it to our local record store, and then I bought it, and then the dude was like, oh, Trenton just sold me this. Why, do you, why, did, why didn't you just buy it from him? And I was like, I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Uh, and I feel like there's something I'm missing that I should be telling you. Oh my god! So I watched Dracula Sucks, and oh sure, yeah, 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 dude, what a movie! <laughs> Shout out Dracula Sucks. Uh, it wasn't that good, but at the end of the movie, my wife was like, "Well, we can go have sex now," and I was like, "Hell yeah!" And so, that that you know, that means it's a good movie. That's what I'm saying. I'll remember that movie forever. <laughs> It's not good, but I don't know. It's uh, there's something about it, I guess. I'm... It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, Vinegar Syndrome did a shirt that says "Vinegar Syndrome Sucks," and it's got the little uh, like poster. And I'm like, I'd buy that. That's fun. Why not? I appreciate that. 
Yeah. 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 Sorry. What about y'all? Liam, what have you done? Uh, unfortunately, as usual, not a, not a whole lot. I did watch the movie uh, Pandemonium today, okay. uh, which is a horror comedy also put out by Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, but it's, you know, it's sort of a, uh, a goofy send up of uh, slasher films um, for an 80s comedy. It only had one part that was uh, unforgivably offensive, which is actually pretty good for uh, uh, early 80s comedy. Uh, sure. But I, I watched it, you know, Carol Kane's in it. So I watched it for the old Carol Kane show. And, uh, you know, it, it was fine. It's it's hard because um, because I grew up in the 80s, you know, uh, even more than you did, Justin. Uh, I have fond memories of certain 80s comedies. And, okay. uh, and I think I like them. And then I'll watch things that are very 80s. And I forget how much 80s comedy is just like warmed over slapstick you know like the sort of bits that like the three stooges did better but we're doing it in 1982 and it's like why is this still the level of comedy that we're like what's happening right now uh but there are a few moments in it that are like truly ridiculous and i i kind of like the way that they handle the big reveal of the of the slasher you know of, of the, okay who the killer is it's so stupid in a way that's meant to like make fun of some contemporary horror movies of the time that I thought that was kind of fun, but overall, it's just it's just a it's a weird piss piss. It's a weird piece of historical like, oh yeah, this is this was such a thing in the culture. And you know, Carol Kane was a bit of a scream queen because of uh, When a Stranger Calls, and uh, the 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 woman who is the mother in Carrie is in it, playing Carol Kane's character's mother, and basically playing the mother from Carrie. So I thought that was like a fun like. Oh, let's get her and she'll do the thing that was, you know, whatever. But I think for for younger people who maybe think uh, 80s comedy is uh, not the best, this is not going to win you over. And there's a, there's an unfortunate uh, Tokyo Airlines sequence that is just basically unforgivable, honestly. So, uh, you know, if that part wasn't in the movie, though, it's 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 mostly fun. Um, of course, uh, like I know you have too, Justin, been watching The Last of Us. Uh, I'm done. I'm done with it. I said it fucking last. I'm done with it. It's too it's too emotionally taxing for you, right? I can't I can't do it, Liam. I can't do it anymore. That I last understand. episode. That last episode. I, I can't do it. I understand. I can't do it. I, can't. <laughs> I feel you. I'm still watching it. I'm still in. Um, no, but for real, like um episode 5 when that happened at the end. Uh-huh. Um, I started screaming at the TV, oh, going sure. like, going like, like I'll do a subdued version, a subdued version. I was going, no, 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 no. But it just kept getting louder and louder. Um, and then when that happened, I just began fucking ugly crying. Like again, not dignified weeping. I didn't, one tear didn't trail down my cheek. I didn't gently sniffle and wipe my nose. With the, like I was like doubled over and just fucking sobbing like it was just the fucking worst and then the fucking thing they see with the little etch -a sketch like fuck that um and then last week's episode it wasn't as like dramatic but i don't know like i like the fact that like episode three kind of like drove home the idea of like it's worth loving something in a world gone insane because even if you lose it it's still worth having 
but I think this this last episode kind of like showed us the uh like I like the fact that I've seen people being like, yeah, but like nothing happened in this episode. Like nothing what what happened? And it's like, oh, I don't know. We just saw a man fucking cracking open his heart and being vulnerable for the first time in 20 fucking years. Well, I mean, the only way he knows how to relate to other people is to save them. And he doesn't realize or doesn't care that in seeing himself as everyone's savior, he's actually uh, uh, building a wall around himself, like emotionally protecting himself. And like the way that uh, Pascal handles this idea that like he shows up to, to quote unquote save his brother, his brother doesn't fucking need him. In fact, his brother's thriving without him. Yeah. And that, that like, you know, kind of rips away the illusion he had that like that's who he is, that like maybe his brother might need him to be something else entirely. The way that that's handled, every, that's everything. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like, I think people just, they're only watching the show for zombies. Like, that's why they're watching the show. And, or not everyone, obviously, but the people who seem bummed on it. They just want more zombies than there are, than whatever. And I'm like, in the wake of, well, how long has it been? 12 years of Walking Dead? Like, how long has Walking Dead been on, been on TV? Like, forever? Like, it just oh feels like... God. 12, 13 years? It just feels like we've been a swim in zombies at this point. So the We've been idea, a swim in zombies long before The Walking Dead. Right, but I mean, the popular culture is a swim in zombies. I, because I, I put to you it was long before that. I mean, yeah. because... Oh my God. When I, okay. So when I moved back to the area, when I, when I graduated college and moved back home, sure. The, the first, the, the, the only person that I, the only, the first person I, cause I didn't really have any friends here. Um, I became friends with friend of the podcast, John DeMarkey. And he was like, one of the first times we hung out, he was like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to the comic shop to pick up my, my monthly file. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. He's like, are you in the comics? And I was like, yeah, I was when I was a kid, but really not so much anymore. And he's like, yo, you like horror movies, right? You got to check out this comic called The Walking Dead. And this was when it was on like issue like 50 or 60. Like, sure. Yeah, that's about and I, was I like, jumped in too. Yeah. And I was like, no, zombies are fucking that's that's like because mind you, this was like 2008, 2009, when we were just like awash in. um, That's when like every like. Uh, that was there were zombies uh, the, this country was infested with zombie mania at that time and the reason i held off on the walking dead was because i thought it was just another um another like attempt at like riding that wave and literally the only reason i started reading it was because when i borrowed the first trade in the forward robert kirkman said it was something I forget the setup for it, but the punchline was, and I'll always take Night of the Living Dead over over Return of the Living Dead. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's got me. He fucking got me like he gets it because like, as we know, as as learned gentlemen of the horror genre, we know. That zombies, they don't talk. <laughs> they don't say brains. That's all John Russo. He's fine. I've met him. He's a little weird. He's a nice enough guy. <laughs> but you know who wasn't weird and was an extremely nice guy? George Romero. I mean, I, he probably was weird, but I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, you know, that's not what you're saying. <laughs> there, no, there's no way he was just John Russo is one of the most awkward people I've ever met. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, my whole point is, is like. I don't blame The Walking Dead for putting this 
putting zombies in pop culture. I mean, sure, it gave my mom a reason to watch a zombie, something related to zombies that wasn't, uh, I'm doing this to appease my weird son. At least he's not doing fucking crank when me and my husband are home. <laughs> um, right. But you were cranking no. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, that's what virgins do, Liam. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You forgot. Um, no, but like, I mean, the thing that, that I mean, th I think we're getting there with like the I, with like The Last of Us is like people are expecting this like nonstop onslaught of like, quote unquote, zombies when it's like, haven't you guys fucking learned that the best the best zombie shows and movies? The best ones are always the one where the zombies kind of take like a like a backseat to like a bigger to like the human threat. Every single one, every single like they've they're the best ones are always like that. It's kind of like a well-beaten path and it's almost a trope at this point, but for some reason it always works. And I think like The Last of Us really only proves that. That like I don't know, like I think it The Last of Us might take it a step further and say that like the worst threat of all isn't even any sort of external threat. It's grappling with our own fucking inabilities to like process feelings and emotions and trauma and all that shit. Hmm. Hmm. I, okay. I agree. We were definitely awash in zombies to a certain extent, but I do think that there's a gap between what was going on in horror and what was going on in the, the larger popular culture. So I, I think that while I, I you know, it's, there were a ton of, of zombie things after, honestly, uh, 28 Days Later. I feel like 28 Days Later probably was the beginning of the turn in horror. But I really think The Walking Dead show did, like, for a lot of people like your mom, people who were not watching almost any other horror yeah. suddenly were talking about zombies and shit. So yeah, I think yeah. that, that did change a little bit. But I agree, like this show seems uninterested in zombie mayhem so far. And like, I'm okay with that. And I think like the, what they are exploring is very interesting. It just feels like not, I mean, not all the complaints. There are people who really love the game and for them, for whatever reason, the show isn't meeting their expectations. I'm not going to pretend that I know because I don't play the game, but I think that some folks who are bummed on the show seem to just be like, they feel like there's not enough carnage or whatever. And I don't know that like I need more of that. Like I think the the taking the game and trying to expand some of the other kind of emotional and social aspects of it is really good. And, you know, the brutality of the places that we're at is in and of itself, I think, interesting, interesting for me. You know, uh, though I don't think it's like we're never gonna see the the, the stuff again. I think holding it back will make when we do have to deal with it be that much more probably fucked up quite honestly. No, that's that's why honestly, that's why like the kind of like towards the end of like episode five when like all those things came out of the ground, that blew my fucking mind. I was just like, holy fuck, this is so fucking scary. Because we had spent how many episodes with nothing? With you know, with with with, with no infected just burly men realizing how they feel about each other <laughs> yeah. and listening to erasure in a bunker, which is so fucking beautiful. By the way, I don't know if you noticed, but the, after every episode where there are no, no zombies, I tweet at Ben Shapiro 
asking him if he's okay, that there's another episode of The Last of Us with no zombies. You just love harassing, harassing conservatives on Twitter. It's like I know. It got me banned from my personal account, so now I have to do it through <laughs> the Hard Business account. <laughs> Butcher, I, we, we've been talking a lot. Have, have you watched the show? Do you care about this? Is this not in your wheelhouse? I've seen none of it. <laughs> oh, dude, you <laughs> should watch it. I, I oh, mean, okay. Do 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 you? I'm not going to force anybody to do anything. I fuck you. I'm going to force them watch it. Yeah. I that's I, okay. I won't, really but I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I um. So it's it's not like I'm you know I'm above it or I hate zombies or something obscure and weird. I just uh, it seems so depressing, and so I I kind of just like avoid depressing stuff. I'm no, like, it's no, not I depressing. I don't need this. Just- just ignore everything I said about it. Just pretend I didn't say that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So like, you know, I fell off of walking dead as a comic book around issue 100 and I fell off of walking dead as a TV show, uh, you know, like season two or three of Negan being in there. And I was just like, yeah, I'm okay. And then it was like, there's some things that I just have not gotten around to watching because I'm just not ready for the depression. Uh, I still have not seen Parasite because I'm just like, no, it's going to bum me out. Like, I I don't know a ton about it. Uh, it's not like I'm secretly like really rich or something. And I'm like, oh, man, the rich guys, <laughs> I would love the rich that. guys aren't that. coming out yeah, on yeah, top. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That'd be so funny if that's what, what I didn't see Parasite because I don't want to feel bad about myself. That would be funny if that was it. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. I figured I should clarify, like, you guys know virtually nothing about me. Uh, I am not rich. <laughs> I drive a car from 2007 and the one door is a different color. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a normal everyday man. I'm the Bruce Springsteen of hardcore. I mean, but, uh, I hear I just, what I hear I what know. you're I hear what you're saying that if you don't want depressing, right? Something like The Last of Us is probably not up your alley, right? Yeah. It's not what you're looking for. And I think it is funny that we're following up, um, uh, you know, that HBO has followed up White Lotus, a show that <laughs> though it has serious themes, is mostly just ridiculous. Right. With The Last of Us, which is just making all of America sad and crying over and over again right i think that's a funny programming choice to a certain extent but for me and we've talked about this before justin like uh i don't come to horror just for sadness and depression but when i find it i'm not mad at it i'm like yeah that's what i'm talking about no i like it make me feel bad twice that's what i want i want to be afraid (laughs) i just sad i hate the fact that i at this point in my life i just go through the day feeling like i'm about to be attacked anyway because i'm just so fucking like frazzled as a human being that like when i watch this stuff i'm like oh at least i can see it coming right yes 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 yes. yeah i hear that okay anyways so that was it oh the only thing i was gonna mention is i also watch i wanted to make sure we mentioned it because i think you watch it too justin is uh that movie oh adriana recommended to me it's attachment yes thank you yeah i really like that i thought i love that movie it was really fucking good butcher have you seen this movie uh attachment Mm, I don't think so. I guess how let me would, check my how uh, my letterbox. Des- how would you describe this, Justin? Is this like uh, corny and Jewish? Oh true. hell yeah! True, 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 true. But also, uh, uh, I don't know what to say about it to sell people on it, like as a horror movie. Other than that, it's emotional and spooky. <laughs> um, there was one scene that made me fucking sick with 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 fear. Yeah, 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 yeah. The scene when it flashes back to when she's a little girl, I don't know, s- something about that scene just made me, like, so fucked up that I was like, oh, don't show that again. Like, please, 
director person don't fucking I don't know. There was just something about it that really fucked with my head, like visually. I just oh, I hear you. I hear you. <sighs> All right, uh, that's it for me, Justin. What do you got going on? What's what? Um, you I didn't really do much aside from uh, The Last of Us. Uh, people who follow me on Instagram know that I'm I've been rereading F. Paul Wilson's Secret History of the World. I'm just about done with that. Um, I watched a little movie on Tubi. Have you guys, do you guys know about Tubi? Oh my Big god! Fan. Yeah. Tubi is fantastic. It's free. There's boatloads of free content, and there's not a ton have, of bullshit there no, that you pay a fucking have, fortune for Netflix. No, I have no problem with Tubi. It's just become the latest thing that you generate unending memes about. So now it's like <laughs> I'm not tired. Yeah, you're of, welcome. I'm not tired of actual Tubi. I'm just tired of your idea of Tubi. Well, I've my next seen. thing is going to be people getting mad at me for calling gorillas monkeys. I know. That's, that's my next thing. That one's a little funnier for me than the Tubi thing. It is funny because monkeys are cute. <laughs> um, so I watched this movie on Tubi called Holes in the Sky, the Sean Miller story. Um, this, the, 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 this, the summary on the, po- it's a found footage one and it largely works until literally the very end, but I'm willing to forgive it. Um, in July of 2013, Sean Miller disappeared for four days. Seven years later, a documentary, documentary cr- film, a documentary film crew found out why. Um, now... You're going to say that this movie only scared me because it's about aliens. And I'm going to say that's not an unreasonable thing to say about me. (laughs) But the thing that creeped me out the most is that like, as it goes on, it does, instead of taking like a Whitley Stryber, like Travis Walton approach to aliens, it kind of goes like the John Keel, uh, Jacques Vlay approach in which like these aliens are appearing in a way that like, what we're expecting to see is what we're seeing. So there's one scene where one of the cameramen wakes up in the middle of the night at this house in the middle of nowhere, and he hears someone talking outside his window. And when he looks outside, he sees himself standing on the, in, in the backyard completely naked. Now, that sounds kind of funny, but imagine waking up in the middle of the night to hear someone talking at your window and then looking, and it's you naked. <laughs> yeah, that's that, so that's, fucking unsettling. That is. Um, and there's just a bunch of stuff like that. Like, and it really like, it dives into like, um, like there's this idea that like people only say this shit to get rich and famous. And part of me, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but there is a person whose name rhymes with Mavis Malton, who I think (laughs) kind of did do that and kind of actually succeeded, but um, most of these people, it just like, it fucks it, 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 they're fucked forever. You know, like if someone like Whitley Stryber wasn't already kind of a best-selling author, he would be in a fucking loony bin right now. Um, and this movie kind of like dives into that as like, why would this guy pretend that he was abducted by aliens when it has brought him nothing but like grief and like PTSD and it's like ruined his fucking life. Um, I don't know. I really like, like, like I said, the ending is a little bit hokey. Cause it relies on, um, like CGI that wasn't quite good enough to pass the test of like it being found footage. Like it definitely was like hokey CGI. Um, but it had a handful of like really genuinely well-earned frightening moments. Um, there were no jump scares. Like there was nothing that was like unearned. Uh, the very end had a bit of, had a touch of like savage land creepery in it. And, 
I don't know. I just, I really, uh, I really enjoyed it. Holes yeah. in the sky on Tubi. For free. I mean, look. I don't care about aliens, but I do care about that you loved it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. We'll, you'll, we'll probably end up doing an episode about it at some point. Tubi. It's free. <laughs> That's their whole commercial. They should be paying me right now. <laughs> All I right. watched a uh, I watched a movie that Vinegar Syndrome had put out on Tubi, and I was like, "Well, now I can find out if I'm going to buy it or not." And then by the end of the movie, um, <laughs> both of us were just like, "Cool, at least it was free." So yeah. I mean, what know, movie yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, Anti Maze Meat Pies or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. fuck that. No. So like you know, that. like I was like. The artwork looks insane, but also, like, this movie's got to be full of boobs. Virtually no boobs. I don't think there were any boobs. And the <laughs> sheriff uh, the sheriff seemed, like, a little too racist, and I was just like, I don't, I don't like this. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we should, I guess, transition so we can get into this, the we're meat of take, this episode. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about... 1982's uh, quote unquote slasher quote unquote giallo with a question mark yeah definitely <laughs> I don't think so La Squatore di New York directed the never mind it's yeah, the New York the Ripper accent. directed yeah, by yeah, Lucio yeah. Fulci yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I broke our streak of episodes where I didn't do an offensive Italian accent so <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and we come back we're going to talk about the New York Ripper Directed by Lucio Fulci. We'll be right back. What do you want? To dedicate a murder to you. Somebody called for you. Yeah, who? The guy with a strange voice. Said he'd call you back. He sounded just like a duck. Just like a duck? If the guy who attacked her is our friend who calls and talks like a duck, well... He's made his first big mistake. Yeah. Anyway, we've got all five boroughs alerted, and we'll also inform all the radio stations. Shouldn't be too hard to find a guy missing two fingers in his right hand. Poor dumb cop. <coughs> you don't think I'm missing it for hours to let you pinpoint me with your stupid tracing machines, do you? <coughs> the data and we'll wait till the next victim so you think you'll do it again oh yes ah! 
are back to talk about the New York Ripper, released in its native land of Italia, La Squartore di New York. It's a 1982 Italian giallo film, Leo? You answered to Leo. You answered to Leo. I want to point that out. Stop. I said Leo. Stop. You answered. Stop. <laughs> I'm glad you think this is funny, Butcher. I'm glad somebody thinks this is funny. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, um, this is a film about a police lieutenant who's tracking a sadistic killer who slashes women with a, sl a switchblade and straight razors because his daughter is in the hospital, will never grow up to be beautiful. And why won't she be beautiful? Because she's missing an arm. As upset as upsetting as all of that is, do you guys want to take a guess which part of this movie upset me the most? Was it the was it the Daffy Duck voice? The fact that he talks like a fucking duck. <laughs> Dude. I was seriously ready to turn this movie off because I was getting so scared. There's something what? about that. I'm completely serious. Okay. There's so no, I knew it. I knew that was gonna fuck with you. I wanted to There's something it. about that. Like the imagery of the, uh, of someone doing that, it like, do you know that scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit when Donald and Donald Donald Duck and Daffy Duck are having the piano playoff, and like, I think like Daffy knocks Donald into the grand piano, and Donald is like standing up slowly, and his fucking eyes are like bright red and bloodshot. Like that used to scare me as a little kid. Okay. Aside from the obvious ending in that movie, which is straight up fucking nightmare fuel. But <laughs> yes, like, that's true. Um, when this guy first started doing that in this movie, I, I, I literally was, I was like, oh, what? So don't do that. And please let that be like a one-off thing. Please let that be a one-off thing. And then it kept happening. I was like, oh my God, he's going to keep doing it. That's going to be like a thing. And I, that just like, it. To me, that felt like something out of a nightmare. Like, to me, that felt like something like if I was being attacked by someone in, in, in a nightmare and they were talking in a duck voice, that tracks for me when it comes to like legit nightmarish imagery. And I don't know why, but like all like the like I'm typically not a big gore person. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, this I just something about the fucking duck voice just just scared the fuck out of me. And I, I was just like, I don't know if this movie is actually good. I can't, I cannot be like a detached observer, but I'm fucking shook right now. <laughs> Everything about that brings me joy. Butcher, I want to know hey. what, you know, why this movie, when did you first see this movie? How are you, how do you feel about Lucio Fulci as a director, all that stuff? So, um, the first time I saw this movie, uh, when I was a kid, my dad would go to a 24-hour and then 12-hour and then 24-hour again movie marathon in another town, uh, and we couldn't go, so we started doing them at home. And then when I was in high school, uh, you know, I was doing, like, homecoming and prom and shit like that, so we would start doing them at home all together. Uh, my dad stopped going out of town, and I have a friend that worked at a store that is here in Ohio. I don't know if they have them in Chicago or Philly, but uh, the exchange used to be called the record exchange, then game exchange, whatever. And I was like, hey, you know, I need to get these movies. What uh, what can you recommend? And this dude, Colton, was like, oh, New York Ripper. The guy talks like Donald Duck and he kills women. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, here you go, four bucks. And I was like, all right. 
And so, you know, I watched it with a bunch of friends and my entire family. And that was all I knew was, you know, dude talks like a duck and kills people. And then the entire movie unraveled ridiculous fucking jazz soundtrack and all. And I was like, soundtrack is insane. Soundtrack is so nuts. Like it's, you, you know, it's like, it's not goblin. It's like this other world. <laughs> and it was just, I was like, cool. Okay. And, uh, my whole family, like, was just like, this is so funny and like fucked up. And then like the friends that were watching it with us were like, yeah, we're going to go. <laughs> um, I'm sure they were. And, uh, so it was just, I was like, no, this movie's awesome. And then, uh, over the years I have done, you know, like podcasts as promo for different things. And people are always like, yeah, no, we're uh, we're not going to cover New York Ripper. We don't want to talk about that. So that's always like my test of like, will this podcast let me do the thing I want? And then you guys were like, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. So it just kind of all like worked out. Um, I have a uh, I have a poster for or a poster print uh, somewhere in my house for it that um, it's got like the back of a man. And then the head is the back of Donald Duck and it says right. New York Ripper and yeah. everything's red, black and white. So it's like, uh, Becca, my wife hates this movie. They fucking do not like it. They've seen it multiple times and they're just like, I don't get the appeal. I don't see why it's good in any capacity. Um, yeah. And that just makes me like it even more. So. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for <laughs> Back of that. That's a bummer. Uh no, I, so okay. <clears throat> Justin, I think you're gonna understand when I say this, right? This is the sort of movie that though I actually really think it's really good and I really enjoy it, when people are like, Oh fuck, no way, fuck that movie. No part of me is offended at all. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I get that. I, I feel get, bad for you people who don't like this movie because I actually like as, as upset as it made me. I think it accomplishes it exactly what it set out to do, yeah. and I, I this is going to sound kind of weird. I don't think it's nearly as over the top as some of his other stuff. I actually think for like a Fulci film, this is like quite restrained, um, and it manages to upset in a way that like other his other stuff like doesn't really like. Not that this movie is the bastion of good taste. But <laughs> no, I mean, what are you talking about? there was nothing in this movie that like, like there's like, there's nothing like comparable to anything in like city, of the, city of the living dead where someone is fucking vomiting in their guts up. There's no, um, I, like, I don't, I mean, there like, don't get me wrong. It's not, this movie is entirely free of gore, but something about this movie came off to me as much more restrained than well, some I, of Fulci's other stuff. I think it helps that in my opinion, some of his best visual directing work, which is what everyone loves him for in the first place, right? Some of his best visual work is in this fucking movie. Yes. Not in, and don't get me wrong, like, I will defend all of his, like, nightmare movies. You know, you know I love the the uh, Gate to Hell trilogy. Oh, my God, The yeah. Beyond is one of my favorite movies of all time. Some of the visual work in this movie is just factually better than stuff in, in some of his other films. And I just think he really, I, I mean, first of all, when people say, well, this is more of a realistic movie than his nightmare movies. I don't think you're, I mean, as you pointed out, when you combine the Donald Duck voice with this cop character who is 
I, it's funny because um, when it when it first starts and it's so focused on the police procedural of it all, I was like, "Oh, is this going to be some sort of weird like Polizia Tecci movie? Is this going to be like copaganda?" And like, this is the most disaffected, uncaring police character I've seen in forever. And I think the idea is like when you start to think about it, every aspect of this movie is this like heightened reality. That is a fucking nightmare. Like, I, I don't think this is any less of a nightmare than any of his other movies. It's just a different kind of nightmare that's kind of honestly rooted in a lot of like anxieties and stuff. Uh, I do want to say the level of gore is not worse than someone puking up all their guts, but the <laughs> level of violence focused at women is you know oh my god pur- yeah purposefully disgusting yeah and you you could argue that while when people are like well he's just getting off on this i don't think that's true i do think he's pushing it and i do think some of that is based in his own tendencies which is he always wants to go extreme and he's you know he he, he was a bit of a lothario himself but the movie is very much i think showing us these awful men just the worst every man in this movie is a fucking monster really and and i think the perfect scene to understand this movie for me is the bar scene right oh my god oh fuck i hated that jesus it's 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 awful but it's like awful to me with a purpose which is like here's these men and their entire image of themselves right is that they are sexual dynamos that they find women and they you know seduce them and they have sex with them and this is whatever and in this scene these are two men who though they found a woman who is willing to some extent to uh debase herself in some way like put herself in danger in order to have this experience they'd rather show off to each other than engage in actual sexual activity which is like to me, such a metaphor for patriarchy, where we pretend that what we're that what that where where heterosexual men pretend what they're interested in is having sex with women, when what they're actually interested in is showing off to their friends, right? Yeah, that's like most of what our society is based on is pretending we love women when we actually fucking hate them. Or, or some not limited to my entire online persona. Uh, well, I don't love that, Justin. But uh, no, it's minus <laughs> my, minus the hatred of women. Right, right, right. Yours is the hatred of yourself, unfortunately. Uh, but but I do think like that scene, though it is awful, is also, I think, a lot what this movie is about, which is, you know, this man's corruption of, of himself, where he becomes this awful, sadistic uh, killer who we're supposed to find disgusting in every way, is coming out of what he sees as love for his daughter. But I think the ending of the movie is like, the most heavy handed Fulci ending, which is like the reminder that this has nothing to do with his daughter. It's like, honestly, the saddest ending, even the, even the end of the beyond where they're watering, Mm -hmm. is that the beyond? Yeah. Where they're watering off into like the nothingness of the afterlife. Like the afterlife is just a gray place with rotting bodies and they're going to blindly wander off into it. That's less sad than this girl in the hospital being like, daddy, daddy. Daddy. And like, and, and, and it's important to remember he made this right after his own daughter was in a horrible accident. Shout out to uh, Fulci for fake. Cause I watched it uh, um, a- after watching this movie. Cause I'm like, oh, I never watched that documentary. Although I guess some of that documentary is like a bit staged, but in theory, it's a documentary about Fulci. 
And uh, I didn't know that. And so the idea of exploring of a, a killer who is basically failing as a father when he feels like he's failing as a father is some real fucking Freudian shit in this movie, by the way, just saying that's, that's kind of crazy to think about, but um, you know, I, again, if people are like the level of violence against women in this movie just turns my stomach and I hate it. I'm not bummed on. I don't think you're weak. I don't think like you're too PC. Any of that. If that's where you're at, that's totally fine. Like I'm not bummed on that per se, but I understand why so many people I know this is their favorite fucking Fulci. Like I know a bunch of people who are like, I love him. This is my favorite one. And I think it's honestly, the level of nihilism is part of it. But a big part of it is that the visual work in this movie is really good. Like the fucking, the scene in the train with the guy who's missing the two fingers, that's mm-hmm. some sick camera work. And that is like one of the most, while it is upsetting, one of the most beautiful parts of any of his movies. And I just, I'm, I'm blown. Yeah. I was blown away by that. I'm going to ask you if you caught something. Okay. The, this, the, the, the chase scene through the subway, when the woman runs up, you know, runs above ground and she's like walking down the street, she walks by a movie theater. Did you see what movie was playing at the, on the marquee? I did not. I did not notice. An American Werewolf in London. Uh-huh. Oh, you know what? I did notice that. I forgot. Yeah, yeah totally. That means something to you. You're into that, right? Well, I mean, I also think it's a, a little nod because they both feature like terrifying scenes in the subway. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also, there's that. that scene in American Warfare London when David Naughton looks right at the camera and says, "I fucking hate women." And then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst. That's terrible. Um, I want to ask both of you: Do you think that people think of this as a giallo? Because it's Italian? Yes. <laughs> uh, or because there's some viable red herrings in it? I think it's uh I think it's a combination of both. I definitely think that uh the bulk of people are just like, well, it's Italian, so it's gotta be giallo. But uh I think the red herrings definitely work into it. Um because I mean that's two thirds of the plot. I mean, it's definitely like we've talked about this before, Justin. There's a real split in slashers between, hey, there's a mystery here and we're trying to figure it out. And everyone knows what's going on. They're just running away from what's going on. That, yeah. that, those are two distinct sort of traditions in this in this thing. And, and part of that's the influence of Giallo onto this genre that kind of developed uh, a little bit at the same time, but mostly afterwards. Uh, but yeah, I do wonder, Butcher, if it's true that like it's Italian. Fulci had done a few Gialli, you know, like between uh, Lizard and Woman's Skin and uh, Don't Torture a Duckling and something else I'm forgetting. Is the psychic a Gialli? I don't remember. Anyways, uh, but uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I, I think that's part of it is, is just that, I, I, though, there, you know, there are elements that remind me of Giallo's. This is very much a slasher movie. And I, I got to say, Justin, while um, I think the gore level in this is actually not as gross as some of his other movies in some ways. The violence depicted, there are parts the first time I watched this where I, I felt sick a little bit just thinking about, not necessarily just with the depiction, because there are parts where, quite honestly, there's limitations to the special effects, right? So, yeah, like, the, the eye gouge scene in this movie is not nearly the shudder-inducing nightmare that the zombie one is. When, when that, when, first time I saw the zombie in that eye gouge scene, it fucked me up 
real good. Like I, that, that was, that's a compelling moment in that movie. Uh, this one was a little less upsetting in that sense, but it was more like the acts of violence. When I thought about what was happening, they made me shudder a little bit. And even this, this is my third time seeing the movie. I, they're still upsetting, right? Like I'm still upset by what happens in the movie, even if it's not as like gooey or slimy as other things. Um, I want to say when it comes to this film being a giallo, kind of piggybacking off what what Butcher said, um, I I don't think this movie is a giallo. I think the red herring aspects are more of a nod to actual straight up slasher films that have like sure, the, the, yeah. you know what I mean. Like I don't think it's aping a giallo. I think it's more of just like it's a slasher, so we have to have red herrings. Um, and not only that, but like I. <laughs> Like the thing I appreciate about uh, appreciated about this movie when it came to the quote unquote red herring is that was a long fucking red herring. And that was yeah, a very stinky yeah. red herring. Yeah. Like that was like one of the things there was a moment in this movie. I was like, are they just fucking, they're just going to go with this and be like, no, you see, you thought we'd switch it up and be like the man with two fingers was not the killer, but he is. Like I honestly thought they were just gonna fucking go all the way with that, and I kind of would been kind of would have been into that, but at the same time, it was kind of cool how they told us who the killer would be in the fucking first act of the movie when the that woman had that you know that dream about her boyfriend. Yeah, well, it's at the first. Well, it's towards the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. towards the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, and the movie for a while even tries to sell you that it's her, right? Which yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly. How many people would buy that? But it like it, it's pretty invested. Like, oh, it's just gonna be her. She's gonna be the killer. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, I will say that even though I had said earlier that I found this film to be somewhat restrained when it came to gore, um, that scene with the razor and the booby. Made me want to fucking throw up because <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I oh no that's uh, that that was I I kind of dug that um, as a person as as a gentleman as a tat daddy who who was who was tattooed um, when I was getting my chest done and the area not exactly on my you can't see it but I'm pressing into my nipple right now like not exactly on my nipple but like around it, but the needle felt like it was jabbing dirt. Like Ugh. that was a pain. Yeah. That is a pain that is like, unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And I was like watching this and getting like flashbacks of that. And like, that is just such a fucking, Oh my God. <laughs> I, I fucking, I, I have one on my shoulder and that was enough for me to be like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm not as indestructible as I thought. And I've got two little ones on my chest and I was like, this sucks ass. Like it's the it's worst. A, it's like arms and legs. I'm like, I don't fucking care. But it's like I'm just like, I want my belly tattooed so bad, but I'm such yeah, a Yeah, good luck baby. with that. It's right. Fun. I'm like, fuck all of this, dude. Like <laughs> Yeah, so just like I I don't just something about that, like that scene where he's like, I I think I is that Kitty the sex worker, the woman who was like the, you know, with the cop, yeah. Well, it was it, it, you know the the cop who's apparent who's supposedly like uh, so so above all the the grime and and whatever the city, but then he has this uh, 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 sex worker that he sleeps with on the side, you know. And Look, he we all have vices. Well, we he all have vices. He, he even right, gets an attitude right. with her, like he's too good. And I'm like, bro, what is happening? Like you are in 
her house utilizing her services. You're not above this thing. That scene when they go to like the fucking payphone and the killer is like laughing at them through the radio and then they get to her house and she's just all fucking cut up. Um, I don't know that that scene really fucked with me. I wanted to use that uh, that scene as a sticker and our bass player told me no. <laughs> I mean, I understand why. I mean, this, this, is, this, is, this is the thing is that I think the movie has a clear idea here. Uh, but I do think this is the thing that I, I, we've all sort of encountered, which is like, if you go to a convention right now, there's probably someone who wants to have a conversation with you about the New York Ripper. And the way they feel about that movie is going to make you feel bad. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because there's there's uh, this is the no matter how much horror movies try to make it clear that the point here is like the the fun is in exploring something terrible. Not in thinking the terrible thing is actually maybe not so terrible. There's always going to be people who like don't get that, who are watching this movie going, yeah, get that. So like I, I get when people are turned off because of that aspect of it. But it's like the movie is just like, to me at least, uh, I just find the women, you know, I read a review by a friend who was like, oh, it's a movie full of terrible people top to bottom. And I'm like, I don't know that that's true, actually. I think that while maybe the women are not all the most endearing personalities, I think they're not fucking disgusting as often. As I don't know, Lynn. We don't know what that little girl did. What did she do that got her in the situation where she got her fucking <laughs> that's, arm ripped that's off? That's fair. She was torturing a puppy when her arm got yeah. ripped off. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I get why people see the... I mean, there is a nihilism here. This is not a hopeful movie. This is a movie that is steeped in you know, gross, dark, whatever. And really, like, I think the reason New York is the perfect setting for this movie is because that's how people saw New York at the time, right? That it's York, almost like that's how New York was at the time. It's yeah, weird. yeah, well, you know, I, I think by the 80s, it was starting to change already. But there is this idea that it was like, the you know, this fucking wasteland of death and destruction. And so it's the perfect setting for a movie that where humans are basically a wasteland of death and destruction. Yeah. You know, like this guy... Anyways, I don't want to go on and on about the psychology of the movie, but I, I think that that's a lot of what's going on on here. And it it sort of adds to my experience that when I'm watching this violence, it's sick, but it's also kind of sick, you know, like, it's, yeah, it's like, oh, man, this is so crazy. Like, I'm actually kind of anxious about what's going to happen. Also, holy shit, that was so fucked up, you know? And, and and so, like, that's not what everyone's coming for. In the same way with you, Butcher, like you were saying, like, you're not very often going to horror movies to also be bummed out, you know? Like, right. that's not sort of your your vibe. Um, I, not everyone's going to horror movies to actually feel, like, implicated in grossness. They kind of just want to see the grossness but not feel implicated. And the way that this is filmed, the movie's kind of like, yeah, you're like the killer, right? Like all the all the POV shots of this movie are done in a way to be like, yeah, this is you, the audience. You're you're this guy, right? This is you. You're doing this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, thanks, Fulci. I really appreciate that. You recycled a light bulb. I mean, you know, congratulations, yeah. Liam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck. It's it's fu it's a it's a it's a fucking crazy movie. So uh, you know, I, I don't know. Let's let's talk about before we wrap up here. What are some of the more endearing things for people who maybe are afraid of this movie because of how gross it is? What are some of the things that you think make this movie probably worth someone's time? Um, you get to hear someone do a duck voice and then kill people. I don't know if you caught that the first 30 times we said it. That alone should be enough for you to watch it. 
uh, the, and the duck the, voice is so psychotic. It's, it's so fucking it's insane. Psychotic. It is fucking insane. Uh, there's boobs. Um, there is blood. Uh, there's a plot that you really think you got down, and it just kind of comes and goes as it pleases. You get the director cameo. Um, mm-hmm. and Love the Fulci cameo. And, and uh, you know, like, Liam touched on it, and then uh, we had talked uh, off mic about it as well. Lucio Fulci made this movie and said that it was him trying to expose people to the horrors that women experience. So let me, a white man, tell you that this is a feminist movie all about stuff. women's stuff, you know? Uh I, there's got to be someone out there that could teach this in a in a college course and use it to their advantage. I mean, professors, I don't, hit me up. I'll zoom in. I do think it's a bit too uh, a, a bit too extreme to really function exactly that way. But I do think yeah. that is the motivation <laughs> for him. Is not what people I think see is like. Well, he's he's put all this stuff into it. He's he must must be having fun with it. I'm like, yeah, but have you seen Fulci movies? He has. He he's exploring these things in a way that he's exploring pretty terrible things. Like all of his movies, you know, when you watch that documentary, his daughter says little pieces of our family life are in all of his movies. And uh, considering a lot of the movies he made, that's, that's maybe not great, right? Like that's a little, (laughs) it's a little bit of a worry about, about their, their family. But I think in a way he is exploring things in all of these movies that are upsetting to him too. And I think this is another example of that. Uh, uh, and I think in the end, if the goal was to show just how terrible men could be pretty fucking successful in that sense, uh, how about you, Justin, what do you think? What are some things about this movie? You know, not that we're saying anyone has to watch it, but for people who are curious, I know, uh, for people who are curious, what are some selling points on the movie that you haven't talked about yet? Uh, I kind of touch upon it. And the the idea of New York being like this blast out shithole, but like this was shot in New York City. That is my favorite era of New York City, the the New York City that I myself never got to experience because Giuliani is a fucking gentrifying piece of shit. (laughs) This. I I know a dude that uh, he worked with my dad and he lived in New York up until like 1990. And I remember we watched the Warriors together and he was like, this is what I grew up with. Taxi driver oh is what awesome. I grew up with. He was like, you know, he was like, I remember going and I would I would see like. Uh, see game shows get filmed and they would have these giant industrial fans and they would suck up all of the cigarette smoke for the five minute break in between episodes for the week being filmed. And he was like, just, you know, like late 80s roll around and. They're going to clean up New York and they're just using like fucking power washers to wipe down any grime they can, people included. And they're just hosing the shit off. And I think that you could double down on that. Exactly. That right there. New York Ripper and the Warriors are a great double feature. Yeah, it's just like (laughs) it, it shows this like kind of. When I think of a city and like all capital letters, like this is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just not a lot of movies really capture that outside of like Larry Cohen, um, Frank Henenlotter, like Abel Ferrara. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> I, 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 
I just love that 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 side of New York. Like you're just showing it how it is. Like, you know, pre Giuliani, pre Times Square being Disney World, um, just like straight up grimy and dirty. I I don't know. I that's just a that's 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 a part of New York that like I just I I love I love the way it looks. You know I'm I, I'm I'm sorry that it's rooted in abject human misery. It just it looks cool. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't want to uh, romanticize it too much because of whatever. But I do want to say, like, it, it, it was a cycle, right? Like things started to get bad and they got worse because the response to them getting bad was, let's just pull more resources out. It's like, how is yeah. this a solution to the problem? Uh, but I do think when it comes to the sorts of movies that I enjoy, yeah, I got to agree, man, this era of New York, there's something about it that I think... Um, just is very appealing it's it's not really what i think of when i think of a city because uh i tend to think of like philly which some would argue is worse in its own way uh i i i I don't know i have a more like from my childhood romantic view of philadelphia which maybe ignores some of the ways that it was also grimy too but whatever um but yeah i gotta agree like there's something about especially for people maybe who aren't familiar with some of these filmmakers they might only be used to the new york where everything is filmed around wall street or some shit you know what i mean like yeah there's a whole era uh, of movies that were filmed in the same city that makes it try not to look like this whereas this movie's much more in places that uh let's say they had more character i guess <laughs> um, yeah i don't know i i again like uh, i you know butcher would wholeheartedly recommend this to everyone i know this isn't going to be everybody's vibe not everyone is down for this level of cruelty i guess but for me I, I, you know i i don't know that this is my favorite fulci film i think i'll still stick with the beyond as as my favorite but this ranks really high i think this is really accomplished movie i think it's doing a lot and uh, I think it has a lot going on. I just understand that the maybe the level of violence might be much for people because it is a certain kind of thing. There's just something about a random person getting an axe to the head that feels like less serious than the violence in this movie. Sure, sure, uh, And so, and I get why that is this this violence because it's so often related to sexuality is going to be hard for people. So you right. know a bit of a content warning just because I love this movie doesn't mean people who like my opinion should go seek it out. If, if this is going to be hard for you, don't seek it out. But uh, if you're, if you're willing to watch it, I don't think it's a waste of time and I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think it's taking glee in that violence. I think if people feel that way, I don't think that's what the movie's doing at all. And in fact, I think it's really effective because it's not, because it's not, it's taking what it's doing seriously, even if there are aspects of the movie that are, very silly at the same time you know like i think uh you know a perfect example is the fulci cameo which is both goofy but also self-deprecating in a way that i appreciate so anyways we 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 should probably stop there just because there's a lot to talk about with scream so i want to make sure we get to it but uh i gotta tell you new york ripper it's a it's a it's a thumbs up from me just you know yourself before you watch it i get a thumbs up as well all right, we're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to talk about 1996's game-changing slasher film, Scream. We'll be right back. Hello? Hello? Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? 
Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? I'm just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? Because I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello. Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Who did he make the rules? The police are always on track. If they watch Palm Night, it's safe time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. And we are back to talk about 1996's American slasher film, Scram. That's right. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Scream. The 1996 Scream, not the Scream 5 that was also titled Scream. Oh, you're talking about Five Cream. Five Cream. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, Do we really have to fucking say what this movie's about? Everyone fucking knows this movie. I mean, I hope I hope everyone has seen it at this point. But yeah, it's it's you know it's 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 a it's a slasher movie. You know, it's uh it's it's uh John Carpenter, it's Wes Craven, uh, and it's it. I think it really. I mean, we've talked about this before, Justin. I think New Nightmare is the beginning of the whole like meta horror thing, but Scream really made its way as a horror movie that was about horror movies. But that was successful because a lot of other horror movies about horror movies just don't really work at all. You know, like they 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 kind of miss something or they're more like horror comedies that are about horror. Movies. Yeah, this is a horror movie that, though it has funny parts, is a traditional horror movie that is also very much about horror movies. And you could maybe argue is a movie where Wes Craven is being meta about himself and his own career, you know. A lot of people have gotten really into the weeds on that. I don't, I haven't really spent a lot of time developing a theory in that direction, but I think that's something that people care about a lot is the ways that this movie sort of functions as uh, about horror and about his, his own sort of work as a director. Butcher, let's start. I want to start with you, man. You picked this movie. It's a really important movie to you. You're how old are you again? Like 27, 28, something like that. I'm 28. Yeah. So this is like you're perfectly in the group of people for whom this movie, I think, would have made a big impact when you saw it. Talk about Scream and your relationship to Scream. Yeah. So uh, real quick, um, I think that uh, we should also mention um, Shocker as one of the beta versions for Wes Craven uh, meta horror. 
And I did watch There's Nothing Out There, which is like this movie that this dude made where he uh, was basically just like, I did this in 1989. Wes Craven's son saw it. He gave it to Wes. Uh, I was supposed to make like a big budget version in 1991 and then nothing happened. And then, you know, 1996 scream rolled around. This is like this man's lifelong fight that Kevin Williamson stole his fame. Uh, so there, there is also that out there. If people want to see it. Um, so scream, uh, it is one of the earliest memories that I have, uh, was, my parents thinking I was asleep, like on the couch and them watching it and seeing the opening scene and being terrified. And then as I got older, as I grew up, you know, I remember Scream 4 coming out and seeing it in theaters. Uh, I was in high school and then uh, Five Cream came out last year and we went and saw it opening night. Uh, Scream 6 is... uh, on a band practice night, I'm canceling band practice so I can see Scream Six as early as possible. Uh, I I love I love this movie. I you know when we did uh, when we did the preparation for Scream Five, um, we uh, we rewatched I rewatched one through four, and Becca saw two through four for the first time, and I was like, you know, three's not even that bad. So I'm now like a Scream Three apologist, even. So I'm just I don't know it. I think that it has enough time separated from all the things before it where it can truly make those self-referential jokes. It can do what it does, and it does it so well. And then I think that even making a sequel, making a legacy sequel, continuing without the final girl... All of that is okay because it's Scream. Something like Texas Chainsaw 2020 or whatever the hell that was. Fuck that movie. Uh, it, you know, like, everyone tries to do the dangerous thing, and it does not seem to work except for with Scream, in my opinion. And I think that it's truly, like, the perfect horror movie. And even for people that don't, have as much history with horror as someone like me or as you two, they can still enjoy it. Uh, when we watched it and it, Becca saw it for the first time, like 20 minutes in, they were like, oh, it's those two gay guys. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, 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 that's the killer. It's the two guys that are gay for each other. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> and so like, you know, like, and it's, I was just like, this rules. Like, uh, and I had a similar thing. My niece is six years old. She was like five and she was like, oh, I'm playing shark. And then she made the Jaws theme. My niece doesn't know what the fuck Jaws is. But, you know, it's like it's one of those things where, like, Scream has been ripped off so many times that the big plot twist is not even, you know, it's not there for someone like my partner who did not have horror growing up. And I think that that adds to how important it truly is to everything. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like I talked in a circle and I'm sorry. No, not at all. I th- it's I appreciate your passion for it and I love hearing it because you're significantly younger than me and a little bit younger than Justin and I think that um hearing about it from someone who it had an impact on as a kid it's probably the same way that like you know the 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 horror movie that impacted me 
as a kid is Nightmare on Elm Street, right? And oh hell yeah! For for some older horror fans, that might seem a little weird to them because that's like the new thing to them. You know what I mean? Right. So it's sort of that kind of difference there. Justin, I know you don't like slashers in general, or it's not your favorite genre per, or subgenre, rather. Uh, what do you think about Scream? I don't know that we've ever talked about this before. We haven't, but it's interesting because this was the first horror film I ever saw at my beloved Becky's driving up here, where you and I went and saw a few movies. Oh, we sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I saw this movie uh, not when it came out, because I think it was it came out around in like the winter. Yeah, it was um, December 20th. It was like a Christmas movie. Yeah, like, but I remember it played like that summer at Becky's. And I think like my dad took me and my cousin. Um, and it's weird because I was like 13 or 14 when this movie came out. So I was like already like vaguely aware of like how horror movies worked. Right. And I appreciated like at the time I appreciated how like quote unquote meta it was. I was like, oh, that's. That's really cool. Upon rewatch, and hear me out, a lot of the stuff that I originally thought was really cool kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I don't think it's this movie's fault because this movie is still undeniably fucking amazing. Um, I don't think this movie gets credit enough for A, because it's it, it's one of those things that we see everywhere. We see the ghost face everywhere. Right. It's kind of like iconic at this point. That's really upsetting to look at. Like, <laughs> like it's not, it, it really makes me anxious to look at that face. It fucking scares the shit out of me. Um, I also kind of, like, I, I don't know, like, this is, this is, like, objectively a great film. I think I'm just so sick of, like, snarky Kevin Smithisms and, like, um, films trying to be meta and examine what it is to be a horror movie that like, I remember the first time I saw this, I thought Jamie Kennedy was like, so fucking cool. I was like, this guy knows what's up. Like, Oh, he's so neat. And right. now when I see this, I'm just like, Oh, this is like every fucking idiot that I meet that like thinks like, you know, horror movies shouldn't be political and <laughs> like shit like yeah, that. Like okay. that's, that's how it came off to me now. And right. I'm like, this isn't this movie's fault. This is, the culture that that kind of like I can't blame this film for the culture that developed around horror as a whole. Yeah. Um, and like, even though I wouldn't even rank this movie, I wouldn't even rank this in like my top 100 movies. This is still a fucking moment in horror film. This is still like a monumental, like game changer in the realm of horror, whether people want to admit it or not. Like, right. Uh, you know, this is. Wes Craven's last great film. Interesting. Um, okay. You know, like no, no red eye love, huh? Oh, I know. It's so yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but like the, you know this this movie, like again, it, it's just like it's this. I, I I mean, I'm old enough. Like I said, I'm old enough to remember when this movie came out, and it was like an event. It was similar to how remember we talked about like the people under the stairs. How like when the people the people under the stairs came out, it was like a, also another Wes Craven film. That was a thing. Like, that was a big deal when that came out. And I feel this movie was kind of the same way. Like, you couldn't go five feet without seeing the ghost face mask. You know right. what I mean? And the whole, like, what's your favorite scary movie? Like, that line, like, that thing, like, that actor who we never see, Roger Jackson, that guy still yeah. goes to fucking horror conventions and fucking cleans house on the, what, five lines of dialogue he does? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this also was one of those early examples of, like, um, 
this movie was billed as a Drew Barrymore film. Oh like, yeah, the marketing genius with this movie. Yeah, this this was. I mean, she's on the fucking poster. This yeah. was this was. This is like when when I, I remember the first time I saw this and she got killed. You know, mind you, again, I was 13 to 14 years old. This was before the internet. This was before it was spoiled for me. When I saw that, I was just like, they killed Drew Barrymore in the beginning. Like, what's now? I'm going to go watch Executive Decision. They're not going to kill Steven Seagal in the first 10 minutes of that movie, are they? <laughs> um, but yeah, this 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 movie, like, I, I, it's one of those weird examples of like, it's a movie that is like, critically and it's like it's acclaimed and it's held up on this pedestal and even though i myself am not personally crazy i don't dislike it but i'm not like it doesn't have the same impact for me as it does for you butcher like mm -hmm. i can still look at this movie and i'm like i get it i get why people lose their shit over this it deserves every fucking ounce of recognition it's gotten and, and i totally get why why people like you know are hyped as shit on this movie but <laughs> The only thing that I don't like, again, I, I think it's more of the culture's fault than it is like this movie, than this movie itself's fault. Um, I kind of almost wish that there had been no sequels because I think this movie would have been perfect like as a, as a standalone. And I, I kind of believe that it's sort of like lampooning the kind of the culture that like horror movies have to have sequels. And I think it kind of fell into that trap because this came out at a time, what, 96, we were like, you know, there was like Halloween 8. You know which, that was which they they had Kevin Williamson write part of. <laughs> yeah, and then we had like we were probably like what Hellraiser seven at that point. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there was all these fucking movies just churning out like that, and this movie was kind of like reeled it back in a little bit and made horror kind of self-effacing. And like, how do I say this without sounding like too snooty? Like, there's there's something that's introspective about this movie that I really like, right? And I feel the fact that there's been like four sequels kind of take that away kind of take the charm away from the original of, of, of what the original film was trying to be because this movie is to me and it's this is going to sound like i'm making a joke but i'm not this movie is to wes craven what true lies is to james cameron okay where true lies was a dissection of the action film and a total like uh just like sort of deconstruction of it in a, in a silly way which is weird because like james cameron helped invent that stupid genre with the Terminator. Um, and I feel like Wes Craven is kind of doing the same thing with Scream, albeit yeah. a little less racist. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, that's exactly, I, I think that's exactly right, Justin. I think that's fair. No, I, yeah, it's just this, this movie is like, I don't know. There's, there's nothing I can say about it that, that like already hasn't justifiably been said. Like there's a reason this movie is still beloved, you know, right. almost 30 years after it's come out. There's a reason this movie is like a modern classic. You know, it, it's just like, you know, you can go to a like you can go to a horror convention tomorrow. And if Matthew Lillard's there, there's going to be fucking lines out the door because of this movie. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. It, I it's <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was just going to say it just it, ha it has that fucking staying power. Mm. Mm. I've mm. Uh, I've been rewatching like other kind of like the, the late 90s, early 2000s ones either rewatching them or watching them for the first time, but like the ones that don't suck. Uh, like I know what you did last summer just had like an anniversary and I was like, Oh, I haven't seen this in a long time. So I rewatched it. And then Becca was watching it for the first time. And I was like, wow, this is 
kind of the only acceptable one from that like post scream movement. And then I watched I Still Know What You Did Last Summer and I was like, yeah, this fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, I saw Cherry Falls for the first time last year and I loved that movie. I thought it was a fantastic movie. But then reading about it, they were just like, yeah, we got all these rewrites telling us we had to like, you know, make it more scream. Yeah. What, what, yeah and they're yeah, like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. what does that mean? And then, you know, the Halloween thing where they're like, we'll make H2O or Resurrection, whichever one, you know, uh, make it more scream. And then they're like, okay, Kevin Williamson wrote part of the script. Now just, you know, do it good. I mean, that's part of the thing. This is the, the nightmare of being movie fans, right? Whenever a movie comes along and actually does something new and interesting, but it's also marketable, that yeah. means there's going to be a whole wave of shitty imitators. Right. And some of them might still work, right? Like, they're not all going to be uh, a total disappointment, but it gets to the point where the good ones are the exception to the rule. Yeah. Right? Where yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what you have is mostly a wave of cash-ins, and a lot of those cash-ins are going to be terrible. And what I like about horror as composed as, as composed as compared to some other genres is because of how horror works, sometimes those cash-ins are surprisingly good. Whereas in other sort of film genres, the the shitty cash in is often going to be really embarrassing. You know what I mean? It's really not sure. going to work. Oh, yeah. you know? um, so, okay. 1996. I was a junior in high school, I think. No, this is my senior year because I graduated. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm a senior. I am just kind of like... Uh, embracing more horror so i grew up watching horror movies i saw nightmare on elm street in second grade but like i was kind of back and forth on on the genre you know like i like it but then i you know when you're just picking out random stuff at the video store when you're a kid you have like kind of a hit miss you know what i mean it's like oh this one's good oh this one's really terrible and you know sort of figuring out what you like and when Scream came out when I was in high school, it was like, not only was I suddenly excited about horror again, everybody else I knew was too. And suddenly horror wasn't something I had to like hide from people that I was stoked on. Other people were also stoked on it. And you could like hang out with girls and watch a horror movie. Yeah. That, that wasn't a fucking thing, but like, at least in my world, I'm sure there were people who had lots of friends who were stoked on uh, creepy shit and that was like their crew but like that wasn't my life it was like suddenly I could talk to people about scary movies and it was okay that I liked them whereas prior to that that was something like you know that was something I shared with only a few friends here and there and not with like the world really and right. so this movie was like for me something I was really into and something that I would lift up as like a really great example of modern horror, because it wasn't too long after this, that a lot of like newer horror movies started to get worse and worse until by the two thousands, I just was like, if it's a new horror movie, I don't care. I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to watch it because so many had fucking bummed me out at that point that I was just like done going to see horror in the theater. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, when a few years ago, a friend was like, we're going to do something for uh, Cinepunks where we rewatch all the screen movies and it's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to do it. I was fucking excited because as far as I was concerned, Scream, though not an entirely successful franchise, 
was still pretty fun and I was going to have fun with this. And I'll tell you what, as an old man rewatching all four movies, there's only four at the time in a row over a weekend. That was fucking torture for me, y'all. That actually was one of the worst film experiences I've ever had. And I'm really glad, actually, Butcher, that you picked this. Because re-watching this one by itself, going in thinking, I got to find something good about this. Because I could tell this dude likes this movie. And I don't want to go in saying what I felt. After a weekend of all four movies, I yeah. thought, this is a low point in all of horror for me. Because I found them so fucking annoying. On rewatching this, the movie's good, actually. I gotta say, though, most of these characters are so goddamn annoying. And I really think, like, I feel like Wes Craven didn't have a high opinion of teenagers at the time. Can I just say that? <laughs> most sure. of, most yeah. of these teenagers are deserving of death. They have it coming. Mm-hmm. They're so abrasive, and they're so awful. And it's not just the two killers who, I don't know why, when I was a kid, I was like, Wow, I really didn't see that coming, that those were the killers. And watching it now, I'm like, it's got to be these two assholes. Like, there's no one else who's as big as no. assholes as I, these I even, two assholes. I even said, I, I posted the Instagram story last night where it's like, even if he wasn't the killer, Skeet Ulrich in this film is still fucking despicable. He's such a fucking scumbag. When Skeet you watch Ulrich this, like, is like a piece of shit just through and through absolutely like when, when you watch this movie as like an adult and i'm like man if this guy like he's like trying to pressure uh sydney like into sex and he's just like yeah it's been a year since your mom died like get over it i was like what like if someone said that to me like if someone said to me okay my dog passed away seven years ago if someone said to me tonight hey man it's been seven years get over it i would knock their fucking teeth out yeah like this, this dude's like hey, your fucking mom died get over it and fuck me it's like holy year shit ago, by the way that's the part that is so amazing to me is yeah it's like it's been a full year like what the fuck yeah oh it's been God. a full year since your mother was m- murdered like jesus christ in the house that you live in yeah and everybody talks about it and there's still movies and books about your mom dying but yeah. like, you should probably forget about it by now. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But I think this is the thing, right? The the two killers are assholes. Okay, whatever, sure. But like most of the other characters are also annoying. Like there's like very few endearing human beings in the whole movie. Uh, Jamie Kennedy, still a good dude. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say Dewey, but okay. Yeah, oh, I, Dewey gotta, too. I gotta say no. Dewey A C A B excludes Dewey. All right. I yeah I gotta say uh, Dewey is the only character who does not make me feel uncomfortable. Like, and it's not the characters in of themselves. It's also like a lot of talking in this movie is yelling. There's a lot of yelling unnecessarily in the movie. There's a <laughs> well, lot of like eighteen. So. There's a lot of like bad opinions. I, I don't know. It's just like really. I find the whole movie kind of grating uh, in a way uh, now. Uh, on the other hand, when I had to sit through all four and I was so fucking excited and then they didn't live up to my expectations, I got negative on all the movies, uh, watching this one by itself. I was struck yet again by like what Wes Craven is doing with it. Like, I just think like from a direct, from like a directorial perspective and knowing like also like with the script and stuff, whatever, like. There is a lot of amazing, I think, commentary going on here, and there's a lot of effective filmmaking going on. But the two things that still bum me out is I think a lot of the dialogue is just 
a level of like loud and quippy that I just find grating now and I don't want it in my life anymore. And while a lot of the uh, action is very effective, some of the like scares in it come with this like audio effect where it's like not only is something scary happening, but all the audio suddenly like Wah! at you oh, yeah. that I oh, no yeah. longer want in my life. Either. Yeah. And those two things I think bum me out still a little bit about the movie. However, overall, I don't know. It's still pretty compelling. Like even with those things going on, which like really get on my nerves. And if a new movie does those things, I'm it's going to make me fucking mad. Like, I'm just not going to be into it. I still think like everything you said, Justin, about how important this movie is and everything butcher you talked about with the effectiveness of the movie. I think all that's true. And I think honestly, it ranks a little higher now for me. So I got to say like, thank you for making me watch it again. Cause I was never going to watch these movies again. Like I was literally just going to be like, I'm done with the screen movies. Fuck everyone. I don't care. And now I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty good. I just, you know, I, it, it's entirely possible too that as someone who's like, you know, when this movie came out, I was the age that these 30 year olds were supposed to be right. Like <laughs> everyone in this movie was really like old, but they were supposed to be 18. And I was an 18-year-old, and I fucking loved this movie. Like, I was, like, 96, I was 17 years old. I was the age of what these kids were supposed to be, and I right. thought it was great. Now, as a 42-year-old, I'm like, look at these fucking annoying assholes. You know what? Maybe I was an annoying asshole. Like, maybe what is <laughs> bumming me out now is that I was like these kids. I was this annoying asshole. But watching it at 42, there's a, there's a part of 43 now. Part There's a part of me that's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like it, it just kind of bums me out a little bit, but that doesn't take away from the fact that there's a lot of like really interesting shit going on here and a lot of effective filmmaking. I got to say, Justin, I agree though. I don't, well, I don't know if I hate the sequels as much as I did when I rewatched them all in a weekend. Um, I do think that like this movie didn't need sequels. I get why it happened. Horror was not making the sort of money it had been making in the 80s until Scream came out. You know, like it just on a pure business level, Scream pumped life into the genre in a way where not that those movies lost money, but they weren't fucking cultural phenomena. And Scream was a goddamn cultural phenomena. And it really changed a lot of things in, in, in the culture. So, like, I get why they wanted to make a sequel immediately like they were just like we need a sequel right fucking now but i just wish this movie did you've got like six months to turn it around yeah seriously it was an immediate turnaround and i think that's you know might be kind of present although i do know people who think the sequel is better than the original i i personally don't get that but i know that that's an opinion out there i i've also heard people say that two is the better film and i like we were saying uh off off mic i now i'm just kind of like i'm telling myself it's not a big deal it's not gonna ruin your life if someone says this stupid thing and so <laughs> i'm just like yeah okay um to to go back to the like writing teenagers and like you know uh thinking uh kind of like you know like these people are annoying i think that a good like a good alternative i guess i would say uh from like one specific scene the the convenience store scene like ghost face costume in 
like just out in public, just like this dude's just like I'm unstoppable. And I think that it like it it absolutely shows both a that you know Stu and Billy fucking idiots, but b like that teenage indestructible feeling of you know like well I can do this, I can get away with this, nothing's gonna matter. Uh, and I I always think about that in like a positive way. But I get the idea of being annoyed with it, too. You know, being an old man standing on your lawn screaming about it. Um, well, and I think that the on rewatch, uh, the first time I rewatched it, I think the meta aspect was a little less interesting to me for some reason. Maybe I just be- felt... Because it's been fucking destroyed 10,000 yeah, times in yeah, the last 25 yeah, years. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. All I know is that it just felt kind of blah at the time. Yeah. And now watching it, I was like a little more charmed by it. Even the part where, as we all know, you know, Wes Craven cameos as the custodian who looks like Freddy. And what's know? his name? What'd you say? What's his name in the movie? Oh, I don't know. What is his name in the movie? Fred. Oh, is it Fred in the movie? Yeah. I yeah. love that. Uh, you know, in 1996, I screamed and clapped and pointed at the screen. I thought that was fucking amazing. And <laughs> when I don't know when we did this project, maybe 2017, 2016. I don't know when it was, but it was a, a years ago. I did this thing where we I rewatched them in a weekend and wrote about it. Um, I was like, fuck you. Like, I just was not, I did not think it was cool at all. <laughs> and on this watch, I went, hey, all right. <laughs> like, I, it, 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 so I don't know. Maybe I was in just a bad mood when I rewatched these all. But I, like I said, I, I, I was a little more, charmed by the meta thing. And maybe it's because this level of meta commentary on horror, on the, on the society, on the fucking way that true crime was becoming a phenomena, which now it's like a fucking staple of our society. Now, you know, all that stuff, uh, for whatever reason, all that felt charming again to me, maybe because watching it now, it's like, it almost seems naive. This level of self-criticism feels naive now which at the time it felt very sophisticated (laughs) i don't know anyways what do you think justin am i being too negative on the teenagers in this they really get on my fucking nerves even though i i think the movie's better than i gave it credit no Uh, i mean uh, the teenagers really make me feel so it's really abrasive to me watching it now yeah i mean because it's like it's 90s teenagers like it's it's like yeah like uh, so (laughs) here's the weird paradox of like matthew lillard is like on screen i find him to be like i just want to fucking kill him like i i cannot like i think the only movie he's ever done where i haven't been like fuck him is weirdly like the what half hour he's in 13 ghosts and (laughs) Those glasses don't piss you off. No, no, because he's like he's like kind of subdued in that. But like every like I like I know people who were like, man, SLC punk changed my life. And I'm like, fucking how? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it. it but. In real life, that dude is such a fucking sweetheart and such a legit good dude that I kind of have to be like, oh, God damn it. Why? Like, just make a movie I like, man. Come on. Um, he's in he's in. Twin Peaks season three. I'm not a Twin Peaks person. Oh, I have to go uh, right now. Um, don't don't get me started, Butcher. I I'm with. I you need to go one. throw this laptop into the lake. Um, <laughs> I like everything else that David Lynch has done, including Firewalk with me. But the TV series just doesn't do it for me. Uh, okay, that's cool, man. Anyway. <laughs>
I've already there's nothing Justin can say at this point along these lines that like even bums me out because like we've already I think for the most part explored all the places where we are diametrically opposed right you know like he's not into Twin Peaks I don't think aliens are scary but like we still love each other <laughs> sure well I anyway. mean Twin Peaks has aliens I'd just like to point out fair fair um, I'm sorry I'll I'll stop cutting you off no it's okay. No, yeah, it's just like teen. It's like yeah, I I understand where you're coming from with teenagers in this movie because it's it's a very '90s view of teenagers. Like, I don't know, like it, it just it's it's depiction of teenagers feels very dated to me. Um, and yeah, they're all just like these like brash screen like. God, like Rose McGowan's character, I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> she does. Yeah, well, yeah, eventually. But it's like, it's just like everyone in this movie is, yeah, they're just, they're just like, aside from like Nev Campbell, it's like all the, all of her, all of her friends, all that social group are the most like, just like obnoxious, like braying pieces of shit fucking ever. And I don't know. But one thing that watching this the other night made me realize, um, and this is just the fact that, you know, I turned 40 in two months. It's crazy how this movie, like, had it, like, idolized, like, Halloween and, like, uh, fucking Friday the 13th and all this stuff and, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's like, we are, th we are now almost, like, twice removed from this movie as it was from, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I know. Fuck. Fuck. And that's so <laughs> insane to me. Because, like, when this movie came out, A Nightmare on Elm Street was already, like, legendary. And it's, like, I guess, like, that's how... Butcher, that's how people your age probably see this movie, because <laughs> it's, like... I, But I, I get that, though, because I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's, like, it's still, like, a very weird feel, feeling. Um, but, like, it's, like, an under... Like, I, I could put myself in someone's shoes and understand where they're coming from. It's not like, um, what's like a newer shitty horror series? The Conjuring. I, I actually kind of like those movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was the right response. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I will say like what you're hearing you talk about Scream. It's a reminder that like sometimes people, not even just my age, even younger than me, they kind of act like, uh, horror movies ended in 1989 and nothing sure. happened after that and yeah. if you like things after that like there's something wrong with you and I just think that's really unfair you know like uh, we, we try to on this show and this is partly because Justin is like very much into, into things that come out you know contemporarily uh, but I think it's also just a, for me a sign of like not letting the past rule over the present to just not only acknowledge like new movies, but even the movies of the 2000s, which for me was a real like dead time for, for horror. There's just a lot of shit that I hated at that time. But that doesn't mean I can actually just write off an entire fucking decade, especially right. when for a lot of people that was really important to them. That's when their tastes were formed. And so like I don't, you know, in in the 90s when people would be like all the good horror was the universal horror. And the 60s ruined horror. 
those people were monsters to me. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, like <laughs> you couldn't have had a worse opinion to me in the nineties. And yet I have friends who feel that way. If you just move the timetable forward, that's how they view horror. Not just horror movies in general that like, all the good movies. I mean, I know people who are unwilling to watch movies made after 1980, let alone uh, oh, yeah. in the 90s, Stupid. you know? So, like, you know, I, I, I just think that lifting up the past, I mean, in the same way that, like, there was a there was a very popular book about film and culture that came out recently that was, like, anything made before 1990 is not worth your time. You know, I, I, I was like, what a monster. But, like... That that people feel that way in both directions. So like I I just uh I want to take seriously that for some people you know their first horror movie probably wasn't even Scream. It was Scream Four, and like <laughs> that's a reality. And and those people existed. They deserve love, and they might have a very good take on something. And I don't want to sort of draw this line that's like only the classics matter and the classics right. all ended at this year. That's not I, a real thing. I actually think that most people who say that shit are just boring people who don't really uh, have it within themselves to actually like dive into films. Like I've long held that like, it's not that horror is dead and it's not that they're not, they're not making good horror movies anymore. It's just, you're too fucking lazy to go find new horror movies. Like I watched 80 plus original horror movies this year or in 2022 um not including like what the two or three like prior ips that came out it's like there's always great new stuff out there and when people say oh horror ended on december 31st 1989 you know it, it's just this like it, again it it, it it goes back to like um as as much as i like the character Jamie Kennedy's character, if he was around today, would say fucking stupid shit like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that... it's like, I, I just, I just, I just hate that sort of like lame ass like, um, there. I, I keep using the word boring, but that's the. It's a boring person. It's the kind of people who make that their entire personality is like, yeah, I don't watch anything after 1989. Like, cool. What's your address? Here's your fucking cookie. Like, because there's just. And it's not even like, I don't know, like, oh, yeah, no, no, they, they're they're wrong. It actually ended in, like, 1999. It's like, well, they're still making, like, fantastic horror films. It's just, you know, just because they're not the fucking classics that you, in your shitty childhood, you, you, you idealized. And then now as a shitty adult, you have nothing to fucking be happy about. So you have to look back and, and you know, of you, you have to not take Rick to life's advice and you can't let the past be the past. You have to fucking obsess over it. Well, hold on. First of all, this is the same man that just told me that he uh, he likes all the same things he enjoyed when he was ten. But uh... yeah, <laughs> I'm saying I like all the same I know, things. I know. I've just added new things to that. Everything I like then, I still do. I just add new things to it. I, okay, I do. I I'm a little less mad about this than you are. I disagree with people. I do think that there are trends in media, though. So, you know, there's there are differences between movies in the 70s and movies in the 80s. And if someone prefers a time period, that's fine. I don't think that's a thing. I think it's like the unwillingness to try. It bums me out. And I but I do think that there are differences. And for some folks, aesthetically, some of the things that are popular right now don't work for them. I get, I get that. That's fine. But I do think that like admitting that your taste is your taste is important. And I also think that um, not being willing to recognize 
that uh, what doesn't work for you might work for someone else is just a way to like cut yourself off from certain kinds of experiences and from, you know, acknowledging that new generations are coming in. Uh, Justin, I think we, we, we are a little bit older or whatever, but like, I, I know just like butcher from your, from being in music, you're probably running into the same thing with music, right? Where like yeah. for some people, there's a certain era of any genre that matters and any new stuff doesn't work. And there are other people for whom only the newest thing is what's important and the history of stuff means nothing. I just think whenever you're cutting yourself off in those directions, you're always kind of fucking up. Yeah, there's so there's a kid. Um, I feel bad. I do not know what his name is. It's one of those like Twitter kids. But uh, he uh, he started like getting involved in the Ohio hardcore scene. And then he was like, hey, you know, this is like my first year what are things I should listen to that aren't these DIY bands that I'm just friends with? And, you know, like I didn't see anyone like dunking on him or anything. It was just like a bunch of people that were like, okay, uh, this is what I really like, or this is what I was into when I first got into punk or, you know, uh, here's what I consider a classic. Here's what I consider a good thing that came out five years ago, blah, blah, blah. And it was awesome. You know, it was really cool to see like, just like a positive interaction about like punk and hardcore. Um, But then, you know, there's a foil to all of that. And it's, you know, like every dude that's mad that turnstile had a song in a fucking Taco Bell commercial. Uh, (laughs) I, you know, like my best friend, he saw turnstile play uh, Donato's basement in Columbus and they were the opening band on a bill. And he's like, they played 15 minutes, including a black or a, a bad brains cover. And so, like, you know, going from that into, you know, them playing stadiums and like opening for like what the Suicide Boys or whatever the fuck it's called. Like, that shit's insane. Uh, Becca and I went to this last tour and I was like, well, Ceremony's playing. I want to see Ceremony. And, you know, we had a blast. Like, we saw a cool new band. We saw Truth Cult. Uh, found out Becca really likes Beatdown. Um, <laughs> like a Kulu played, and Becca was like, "Oh, this is so cool!" And it's just all dudes dressed like exactly what you think they'd be. And I was like, "Cool, okay." Um, ceremony I'm, I'm was great. Big, I'm a big Kulu fan. I love. Yeah, that. yeah. Uh, no, it was you know it was fun, but it was just you know like seeing all of these cool things, but then like seeing that two thirds of the kids that were there were kids that were a wearing turnstile shirts that they had bought at the merch table, and sure, b yeah were you know younger than becca who's 25 and i was like damn this rips and i was like you know it was really exciting and then with horror having like you know uh barbarian being part of this like i loved barbarian last year but having it being part of this like one night stand like in my opinion like a great movie but i will never watch it again because it will never be good a second time (laughs) Oh, yeah, I feel that. Um, uh, and so things like that. Yeah. Justin, what are you going to say? I was just going to say it, it's similar. Like, I think when it comes to realizing that this film and like, you know, I guess this franchise as a whole or kind, kind of some people's like gateways, I can't yeah. really get like to liken it to like, you know, hardcore is like. um, There was a period of time a few years ago when I was like annoyed at people covering carry on and people covering American Nightmare and I was like, what the, what, why? And then like it kind of like dawned on me that like, well, if we look at the time when those bands were were around and big when they first started, we're as far removed from that now as like 
people my age in like the late nineties, early aughts were when like to like youth of today and like chain of strength. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, I think it's like the older I get, the more I have to like accept that like younger people are going to have these like different defining moments that I, that I had. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't take away at all from like the stuff that I like there. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm just going to make a, a go out on the limb and say, there is no one who loves scream. Who's like, you know, fuck a nightmare on Elm street and fuck the thing. And like all these movies that I love, like that doesn't <laughs> happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just the same way. Like there's no one who, no kid who's like, man, American Nightmare rules, man. What's this band? A youth of Youth of Tomorrow, Youth of Today? Fuck that. That's that's. Oh no, that's me. That's me. Oh goddamn! I am that guy. Yo, uh, I claimed Straight Edge when I was eleven. Um, never broke. Uh, you know, nailed to the X. Whatever you want me to say there. But uh, shout out An. Uh, we got like three American Nightmare posters in this house. That was that was our first official date as a couple. Um, but at the same time, I fucking hate youth crew i loathe that shit i minor threat wrote every song i need to hear about bnx i don't need to fucking hear some dork in the late 80s tell me that because i'm not vegetarian i'm not good enough i don't need to hear some dork in the mid 90s tell me that because i'm not vegan i'm not good enough it was way cooler when ink and dagger told me to be a vampire and still be vegan oh. i mean still be straight edge i just i don't know man whatever Wait, no ink and dagger weren't straight edge man they're on yes so the fuck they were no, they, they also were originally, vegan. originally, originally, Sean was a uh, straight edge vegan, but I'm uh, that dude broke probably faster than Wes Eisel. I'm, 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 I mean, they, they, you're right. And obviously, you know, Robbie Redcheeks famously went on tour with a dagger and, you know, until uh, recently when uh, 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 he's uh, been given a forgiveness card because he needs the weed for his horrible pain. But, uh, but, <laughs> what's uh, the what's the Ray Capo excuse? I was in Italy. I didn't know it was an edge break. Yeah. Oh, man, don't, let's not get started into the yeah. legends around Ray Capo. I might love you for today, but I despise him as a person. That dude's such a uh, dork. I, I, and, and, and I, you know, whatever, let's, I, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like, uh, getting too far into the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, oh, not eh, everyone who's young still respects the old stuff that, that, that doesn't necessarily happen or whatever, but, right. but I do think like, um, I do think like, um, I, I understand what you're saying in the sense that like, I've always been someone who is a little iffy on youth of today. Uh, but I gotta say the riffs are good, man. It's it's just raised voice. It's just raised voice for me. <laughs> I don't like fair. I don't like raised voice. It, it bums yeah. me out. But but I gotta say, like if you're if you're like, well, I don't like the message. I, I get that. I get that. Maybe they're a little too. Ray can be a bit preachy, but the riffs on those Youth of Today records, man. They're, they're real, you gotta go back and listen to that because yeah, there's some good fucking riffs on that. I I get why. I know a ton of people who like are in theory not into hardcore and are more like on the punk end but still are like i don't know man those youth of today records because those riffs man they're fucking ripping and personally i think it's funny that youth of today birthed youth crew i would put to you that there is no second generation youth crew band that comes close to the riffing on a youth of today record it's just not it just doesn't happen it's just yeah. not a thing and, and i don't even hate those later bands like there are there are songs i like from second generation youth crew bands None of them actually try to be youth of today. I don't think they might think they are, but the riffing on those records is a whole other world. Even if Ray's voice gets on my nerves a little bit. <laughs> I think that 
That's fair. Um, All right. We should probably wrap up because this is a really long episode and we're about (laughs) to go down a long, hardcore (laughs) rabbit hole in which Justin's just going to get annoyed because eventually I'm going to talk about my disdain for a lot of Earth Crisis stuff and that's going to burn. Earth Crisis is just a boring ass Don't. Stop. 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 (laughs) Stop. We don't want to start. Justin's going to get so bummed out. Come on. Anyway, I (laughs) I like Scream. I yeah. see, there you go. There you go. That's something we can end on. That's that's positive and okay. I, have, I, have, I have a question. Uh-huh. Did I miss is Leif Schreiber actually in this movie? That's no, right? Like he doesn't get introduced <laughs> to the second one. I I I I think that any actual scene he has in the first movie is um it's not actually archival, but it's like the like you see it on the TV oh, yeah. in the movies, like when he's he's like being he's being hauled off into a into a cop car, and uh, Courtney Cox's character is like trying to talk to him or whatever. But it's like she uses that as like a a little like quick scene, and then it's her like at the high school trying to talk yeah. to Matt Campbell. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can only think about like hardcore names now and i cannot think of any characters <laughs> he's, <Gail> he's, <laughs> he's he's credited in this movie and yeah. i know like i remember seeing scream 2 and actually being like oh he's not that bad of a guy right um and then was it in part three opens up with him getting killed right yeah 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 three is where he's got like his own talk show and he's gonna cheat on his girlfriend yeah, yeah. you know i'm not here to judge <laughs> he's a fucking fantastic man he makes the omen remake worth watching I he makes the Omen remake and Wolverine Origins worth watching. I forgot he was fucking in Wolverine Origins. Dude, he's so good as Sabretooth. It's fucking insane. He is really sick as Sabretooth because I think I think it's uh X-Men 2. It, there's a ton of Sabretooth stuff. No, that that's and, that's the first X-Men is is with Is it is, okay. Is, okay. It's so fucking bad. That was um, all that was all my childhood right there was like growing up, you know, like once again, I was born in 95. So, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, Sony superhero movies. My dad took me to all of them and I was always like, oh, this is so cool. But I have not rewatched a single X-Men movie and I never will because it will suck ass. You know, I yeah. know it will suck ass. <laughs> hey, we definitely have to wrap up because. Praising Lee Schreiber's Sabretooth is where I'm ready to draw the line. You're we've a all, crazy person. We've all had opportunities to be bummed out, you know, uh, uh, and, 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 and so it's time to end. Once we've all had a bummed thing, right? You know, that's like, right. Yeah, uh, that's a good we've cut each, off. We've each had an opportunity to be sad. And this moment, praising Lee Schreiber's right. Sabretooth is Butcher, my thanks for being on. To be yeah. sad and have my heart yeah. broken. Okay, where, let's, where, let's, where could people find you on social yeah, media? Yeah, let's do, do all the plugging, man. Talk, yeah. talk about it. So uh, we are on Instagram and Twitter at Grip Hook Band. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Grip Hook Band 1 because someone beat us to it. Uh, Bandcamp Grip Hook Band. Um, we have a uh, we have a like a tape based record label called The Caller is in the House. Uh, that's T-C-I-I-T-H records on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, We've put out some cool bands that we really like. And uh, if your band doesn't suck, I can try to put you guys out or at the very least dub your tapes. Um, Yeah. Uh, Thanks for letting me do this. Um, I I don't know. I mean, you're 
in theory going to listen to Grip Book. So uh, <laughs> listen to Kaiba. They're the best band in the world. They're a screamo band from Athens, Ohio. Uh, Ohio hardcore is now its own subgenre. Fucking insane to think about. Uh, shout out the Gary Chat. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's cool. Oh, if you if you make a movie, if you make a movie and it's like like an independent film and you want us to write a song for it, as long as you are not a neo-Nazi, I will probably say yes. You are free to email us, griphookband at gmail.com, and I will I will read your script and I will consider it and then, you know, probably tell you yes. Uh that seems to be happening a lot, and that's pretty cool. That's fucking dope. That rules. It it rips really hard. This dude in North Carolina was like Will you write a song for my movie, even though it's not a slasher? And I was like, yeah, sure. What's your address? We'll just send you Grip Hook merch for the movie. And I was like, fuck it. What do I care? Live in oh, the that's, dream. That's fucking dope. All right. Uh, so that's it for more episodes of this podcast and like a few, several other podcasts and stuff. Head to Cinepunks.com. If you want to become a patron on our Patreon, you can head to Patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. Be sure to check out our lovely sponsors, LVAC, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations at www.xlvac.com, Essex Coffee Roasters at essexcoffeeroasters.com, and Mechanical Shark Media at mechanicalsharkmedia.com, backslash Sharky's the nicest, coolest, most handsome guy in the world. Um, and until next time, um, you got to say, I'll be right back. Come on. Oh, yeah. I'll be right back. Another episode. <laughs> All right, we're out. Peace. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts! Hey! Hey!